Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 223 of the Mo Money Podcast. This is Jessica Morehouse, your host, and I uh, am so excited to see you back here for another episode. This one's great because I am interviewing Larry Bates. He is the author of the book, Beat the Bank. And honestly, I think it is going to be my new go-to recommendation for if you want to start investing or learn about investing and are not looking for a dry book because there's a lot of great books out there that I've read that are so dry, but I'm a weird nerd that actually likes them. This is not that. This is a really great introduction to investing specifically for Canadians. I'm sorry, my American friends, but there's a lot of Canadians that listen to the show and there's not a lot of books that are specific to Canadian investing or Canadian banking And that's what this book is all about because Larry, uh, well, he worked in uh, investment business and investment banking for 35 years in both Toronto and London. He's also a member of the board of FAIR Canada, a national investor advocacy group. This guy knows what he's talking about. Okay. And his book just, it was such an easy read. It was just so enjoyable. And I mean, I was just shaking my head. Yes. The whole time. Like, yes, yes, yes. It's one of those books where I'm like, I wish this book existed when I was in my twenties and had no idea what it was doing and making so many mistakes. So we're going to talk a a lot about what's in his book and some of the key nuggets. Of course, I'm going to give away a copy of his book. So listen right till the end to find out how you can enter to win a copy. Um, Before I interview uh, Larry, I just have a few words I want to share about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by ShopTaker. You know what I've been dreaming of having ever since I moved into my townhouse over three years ago? A new fridge. The old one I've got is ancient and hideous, but I'm one of those people who cannot in good conscience buy a new appliance until the old one stops working. That is, unless I find a crazy deal. But who has time to regularly check retailer websites to see if there's suddenly a sale or a price drop? Thanks to ShopTaker, no one needs to anymore. ShopTaker is a free must-have app for your computer and phone that enables you to save items from over 4,000 online stores like Amazon, Costco, Sephora, and Zara to one place and get notified the moment they go on sale. It also scans the web for coupon codes at checkout and automatically applies them to your purchase. In short, if you shop online and like a deal as much as I do, you should try out ShopTaker by visiting jessicamorehouse.com slash ShopTaker. And that's spelled S-H-O-P-T-A-G-R. So go on, join the over 1.5 million members and sign up to ShopTaker today. Just visit jessicamorehouse.com slash ShopTaker or find the link in the show notes for this episode. Welcome, Larry, to the Mo Money Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you. I know. I loved your book, Beat the Bank, The Canadian Guide to Simply Successful Investing. I feel like even though it's, I mean, it's, you know, recently came out, it is something I wish existed when I did finish university and was trying to find, you know, my way there back. I mean, that's when I kind of learned about personal finance because I'm like, I don't want to always be broke anymore. There really weren't that many great books out there. I feel like, yeah, there's The Wealthy Barber, sure, but nothing as you just answered so many questions I had throughout my 20s. And it's annoying that I'm only, you know, now now that I already know the answers, now your book exists. <laughs> well, thank you for your kind comments. It's actually the, the most common comment I receive is, uh, is, I wish I'd read this 20 years ago because, uh, you know, it, most people... <laughs> 
and the book is focused on very focused on on investing. I mean, there are lots of other books on budgeting and so forth, and the Wealthy Barber is a good one uh, on that. But this book is about investing, and um, you know, the really the main message of the book is if you take a little bit of time to learn investment basics, and over a lifetime of of investing just a bit smarter, it can make an enormous difference. And, and so, you know, you know, Warren Buffett said, uh, the best investment you can make is in yourself. In other words, you know, take a bit of time to learn and you'll be, uh, so richly rewarded over time, uh, from, you know, from taking that, uh, that, that effort today. Mm-hmm. And that's like a lesson I now know, but I feel like when, especially if you are just starting to learn about money management and personal finance, you are pretty, there's just so much content about, like you said, like budgeting and, and kind of the basics. I get, you know, it's not that at the end of the day, it's not that hard, <laughs> but when it comes to investing, it is actually very difficult to find. I find content that's like digestible, understandable. That doesn't, that's not like talking either down to you or just way above you and you don't understand. And quite honestly, God, there's so many great investing blogs out there, but as someone who's like, you know, a young woman, man, they were hard to freaking read. They were just like older retirees just talking about stuff that I just don't care about or cannot relate to. But I found your book, your tone, just your approach, very easy to grasp and answered. Like, honestly, I talked to so many young people and they have all the questions that you basically answered in this book. So I'm very excited to be able to finally tell people like, there's a book that has all of those answers now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's um, you know, I spent... 30 plus years in the investment banking business. And, um, I, uh, I, I, I had you know, worked with and advised some of the most sophisticated institutional investors in the world. And, and this was my effort to try to take that knowledge and distill it down to, uh, be able to help, um, average, you know, average investors who, who don't, who don't know much about investing. But again, you know, it's, it, <clears throat> the industry, portrays investing as super complicated it's like hey jessica don't even bother trying to figure this out just trust me and you know that that blind trust is not is not good you know that there's that 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 uh, that phrase trust but verify but but in order to do that you got to learn a little bit and uh you know and that's really what the book is for to give people some basic knowledge to to enable them to make you know, smarter decisions over a long period of time. And, and, uh, you know, and, and I think it's, it's helping lots of people. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles too, is, um, we're all kind of, we all kind of know, I think deep down, we know we need to like budget and, and, and manage our money and be smart with credit cards and debt and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to investing, for some reason, we all kind of think we could just, and it could be just the narrative that the banks have been pushing. You need to hire somebody. You need to outsource it. You, you're too stupid to understand this. So just let someone else deal with it. Oh, poor you. It's too complicated for you. And that was like something that I, Definitely uh, dealt with in my twenties. I definitely, you know, uh, worked with a couple banks with some advisors, and they literally would treat me like I was an idiot. Even though I'm like, you don't know that I have a personal finance blog, and I know what you're talking about. But okay, you're just kind of assuming some things. And so I think 
the really important, uh, you know, message that you, that, you know, I'm talking about that you talk about so many other people are now talking about, which is great is if you do want to actually build wealth and retire comfortably or just at all and have enough, you actually do need to take responsibility for that, which means you do have to learn this stuff. You cannot just pass it off. Like that's just, it's, you can't do that anymore. And I think maybe part of it is because we don't have the luxury of, of pensions like, you know, previous generations did. Yeah, I mean, past generations had the benefit of, of guaranteed pensions, and from outside the the government sector, that, that that's virtually non-existent. So, you know, uh, employers <clears throat> have have downloaded responsibility for investing to their employees, but they haven't. Nobody's downloaded the the basic knowledge. So there's that gap there, and um, you know, people tend to just go to the bank or their insurance agent or their advisor or whatever and just say, tell me what to do. And most advisors are good people, but unfortunately, um, most of them sell really, really lousy products. And 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 uh, and what makes these products lousy, most of them, the biggest, by far the biggest problem is the cost. Canadians pay the highest investment fees in the world. And most, most people have... Um, have no sense of what they're paying. They either think they're paying nothing or they're not aware of the full cost. And uh, even way the, the way the cost is expressed is sort of misleading. So, well, this mutual fund is great. It's only charging 2% a year. But if you're starting when you're 30 and, you know, let's say that, you know, your, your, your lifespan is going to be to 90. Well, think about investing for 60 years and paying 2% of your total investing, invested amount every year for 60 years. Start thinking about those numbers. It's it's madness. So, uh, and but the good news is, unlike ten or fifteen years ago, there are fantastic, super low cost alternatives available that um, that charge a tiny fraction of of uh, you know of what the what the industry wants to sell you. And they're often sold by they're often they're often um, sponsored by the same institutions that want to sell you the super expensive stuff. So you know just. Learn the difference between those two, and uh, and take advantage of the low cost uh, funds, and and you can double your returns literally, and th- that's the math. And uh, you know, my you want to check it the math out uh, if you're inclined that way. You know, just go to my website LarryBates.ca, and you can see this little calculator, which shocks a lot of people. A lot of people, but it's, it demonstrates the impact of of costs and cost savings over time. Yeah. I feel like the one argument that I hear over and over again, and I, you know, again, when I did deal with uh, financial advisors at the bank, when I would bring up the fees, because I was starting to learn about how important fees were and you want to keep those down because they're eating into your own, uh, you know, returns and your overall wealth and, you know, future, uh, they would always bring up the um, thing about value, but I'm providing so much more value, 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 value. And now that I've been, you know, an investor on my own, doing doing DIY and using robo-advisors for years and have done so much better than I ever did when working with the bank. I'm still wondering what that value is. Can you explain this to me? Having worked in the, the banking industry, what is this value they talk about? <laughs> well, it's, it is. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be uh, pejorative. I mean, I had a little bit of fun with the book title, right? Beat the bank. But, but it's, their, their sales pitch is kind of built on a, on a, bit, of a, a bit of a lie because – how how can there be value when 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 the ultimate uh, expression of that uh, advice is is to buy a super high cost fund? It'd be like going to um, you know uh, it'd be going like going to buy a car and there's a 
Toyota there for thirty thousand, and there's a there's a Honda uh, there for three hundred thousand. And the advisor says, "Oh, you should buy this this three hundred thousand dollar Honda. It's a great car because um, that's what they're paid to sell." Uh, and yet, there's this there's this car that performs the same at a tenth of the cost. Um, you know that they keep out back. They don't really want you to to get involved, but. So the, I, I really have a problem with this argument that, oh, well, you're paying for all the value we're providing. They're actually, they're, they're destroying value, right? Most Canadians, they're taking 100% of the market risk, but they're only getting to keep about 50% of the market returns because the rest is lost in fees. Does that make any sense? That's crazy. That is crazy. It is crazy. And I still get irritated when I think back to the years I wasted working with that bank and not really understanding. And that's the other thing too. It's like, well, part of that value I, I assumed was they're going to educate me on what they're doing with my portfolio or tell you know, they, it was just sales pitch after sales pitch. Or if they thought I was unhappy with my portfolio, they would offer a different portfolio. If they were just sell me something else, it would drive me absolutely crazy. And yeah, like you said, like some of them are nice people. We had one really nice guy and then he was replaced by this uh, other guy he was just a honestly a snake oil salesman. Like I, if I saw him on the street, I would give him a piece of my mind for basically wasting years and, and taking so much of our money. <laughs> but that's kind of uh... no. That's the way the system works. It's not a healthy system. I mean, the Canadian banks um, and our financial institutions generally, they deserve a lot of credit for. They've been stable through the ups and downs. You know, they didn't get hit by the crisis 10 years ago. There are a lot of good reasons to feel good and tr- uh, about the banks and trust them. This is not one of them, okay? Um, they sort of take advantage of, of, this, of this trust people have to sell, you know, to sell them really crappy products. And at the same time, if you go through a different door, they'll, they've got products available at a tiny fraction of the cost. And, you know, and, and you can take advantage of that if you, if you learn some of the basics and that's that's really what my my book is about and and you know from the feedback i'm, ha- I'm getting um you know people are are taking advantage of that knowledge uh in, in the book and, and taking action and switching to lower cost alternatives and, and it may not be for you but hey take the time to learn a bit and you know you can't go wrong and it's not that hard it, it, it can be uh you know keep, keep it you know when it comes to investing the simpler the better despite the fact the industry, you know, for them, they want it to make they want to make it as complex as possible uh, because that makes people um, really more and more reliant on them, and that's not healthy. Absolutely, no, and I, I definitely ascribe to the idea that investing actually at the end of the day should be simple. So many people on the show have come on to express the exact same thing. Um, so it really shouldn't be. One thing that uh, when I was trying, doing some research on you, I saw that you did a uh, Reddit AMA, which is so interesting. So many interesting questions that were there. One of them that kind of came up in your book as well is um, the idea of kind of uh, the risk that we take. And I, I also kind of feel like typically, uh, this was my experience, and I've heard this from a lot of people that have worked with you know someone at the bank, they're not taking on enough risk in their portfolios are actually being too conservative because I feel like maybe it's the terminology that we use. It's like, well, do you want something balanced or do you want something aggressive? Obviously, aggressive sounds bad when you put it like that. It sounds like you're going to lose all your money. Balance sounds, you know, that sounds responsible and like a good idea. But you gave an example in the book that, you know, there's two couples basically investing the same 
amount of money, same time horizon. One chooses, uh, you know, a balanced fund and one uh, something more aggressive. And obviously, the people with the balanced fund ended up with way less money. What do you think is going on here? <laughs> well, um, I think the banks want to, you know, keep down the middle of the fairway and sell people balanced uh, funds so that they're, uh, you know, they don't have the they don't experience the drops in the market, which can occur when you're when when you do have more of your money in, in stocks versus more stable bonds. But, um, you know, the, over, over time, stocks have always uh, produced positive results, but it's like a roller coaster ride. You have to be prepared, <clears throat> excuse me, for, you know, for the dips, which will occur. And, and um, you know, whatever amount that you have invested in the stock market, uh, you've got to be willing to live with the dips. And the worst thing you can do is, you know, is, is, is have a dip of 10 or 20%, which can happen anytime and say, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I can't stand that. I got to get out. Um, but if you're, for instance, if you are 30 years old or 35 or 40 and you're saving for, you know, for, for, for a post career or, you know, a lengthy retirement to, you know, from age 60 to 90 or whatever it might be. Well, you've got, you've got a hell of a long runway. <clears throat> and, um, and some of the, for, for some of those folks, uh, Say, well, I don't really care about the ups and downs in the market um, in the in the in the uh, intermediate term. I want to gain the most in the long term. Well, the, for those investors, you know, a more aggressive approach might make total sense. And owning bonds is not going to make anybody rich these days. The yields are so low, but they are great for great for wealth protection. You you can be comfortable that you're not going to get. You know, you're not going to get hammered uh, owning bonds. But, you know, some of this, there's a lot of fear about investing. Um, a lot of people think investing is like gambling. And, you know, you can play it that way. And that's, you know, you hear horror stories of people getting, losing tons of money in the stock market, you know, on cannabis stocks or crypto or I don't know, whatever it is. Those people are essentially gambling. You know, I, I look at the stock market as, as, a, as, a, as a tool to become a long-term business owner. So if I own a share, one share or a hundred shares or whatever it is in RBC or Apple or Bell or whatever it is, Hey, I own that business and I want to own it for the long term. And, and as a business owner, I don't care what happens to the market day to day. I just want to own that business for the long run. And, and, you know, and that's, you know, that's how wealth is created long-term business ownership. So that's the way I look at the market. Not as I, I don't pay attention to what's happening in the market day to day. It's all noise. It's meaningless. You know, invest. And this is the one expression is I love is don't be a day trader, be a decade trader. And if you, and if you look at investing that way, the ups and downs of the market become noise over time. They become meaningless. One quick example. Last year, uh, in, in December of, of 2018, okay, on, uh, on Christmas Eve, it was the worst Christmas Eve of all time in the stock market. Never been worse. The, the, the market was down 3.5% or something. On Boxing Day, the US, open as a mark, uh, U.S. markets open on Boxing Day, the Dow Jones had its single largest one-day point gain in history. It was up over 1,000 points. So, Jessica, tell me, what was the difference between Christmas Eve and Boxing Day? Right? There was Nothing was the difference. It's just all... All that ups and downs and intermediate noise in the market becomes meaningless if you're 
a long-term investor. Absolutely. And I, re- I remember that time because I remember <laughs> looking at uh, some news uh, reports and also looking at my portfolios and then reminding myself, okay, we haven't dealt with one of these for a little while. <laughs> Let's just not yeah. do anything. Don't panic and we're going to be just fine. That's what we know. That is the truth. And so, yeah, then I wrote it out and then it was fine. Later on, I talked to some other people I know who, uh, you know, they're like, oh, I matched my own portfolio and stuff like that. And you know what they did? They they knew better and yet they panicked and they sold. Yeah. And I'm like, but you knew better. What are you doing? <laughs> so like you said, a lot of it is fear-based and very emotional. It's emotional. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, in the financial crisis 10 years ago, you know, it was, there were some days where you wonder whether the sky was going to fall. It was ugly. Uh, but you know, and a lot of people, obviously a lot of people sold, they panicked and sold and, and, and have been left sort of on the, on the sidelines as the market's gone up 250% or whatever since then. Um, but, you know, that's why it's important to give some thought as to what the right balance is um, as you invest between, you know, risk, more risky, higher long-term return stocks and, and, and more conservative bonds. That's probably the most important question that investors need to address. Um, and I talk about that a fair bit in the book. Um, and But beyond that, it should be very simple. Like the hardest thing is not doing anything. And it's funny, recently I was looking at, you know, a couple, you know, sometimes maybe, maybe just me, I will look at some stocks and look at like their historical returns over time. Like, oh, if I had just been smart enough to buy that stock at that time. And then I was talking to my husband, he's like, but you know what? Most people don't buy that stock, you know, when it IPO'd or like right at the beginning and keep it for 10, 20. Most people get emotional and they will sell at certain points. So there's probably very few people that kept that, you know, Apple stock or whatever. That's right. And still have that same stock right now. Most people will trade. And that's, you know, that's why I say, uh, you know, if you, wealth Wealth creation, most wealth creation is, is from owning businesses for the long term. It's not from trading. You know, uh, I'll just give you a quick example. I, I use it in the book. You know, if you, if your, if your rich uncle had left you, um, $10,000 40 years ago and, and, and invested it in T, TD Bank stock. Okay. And directed that the dividends be reinvested more TD Bank stock. So 40 years ago, what would that 10,000 invested then be worth today? And the answer is, uh, it, it's, it's three and a half million or something like that. It's just outrageous. Okay. And that comes from, that's a great, look, I'm, I'm picking a company that did very well. Okay? Yeah. It's easy to <laughs> pick one, you know, from the past, but it demonstrates the power of compounding over a long period of time and, and, and you know, what long-term business ownership can, you know, can do. Uh, but, you know, in the meantime, that CD, TD stock was up and down, you know, like crazy as, as, uh, in, in different, um, uh, periods like the crash of '87 or the dot-com crash or the global financial, but all those all those market ups and downs became meaningless over time. It was just a great company that that did well over time, and 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 so that's you know that's an example of uh, of the success of long-term investing. Mm-hmm. And it's, you definitely um, kind of talk a little bit more more in depth about these like the, there's wealth builders and wealth killers i think that's a great way to kind of break those out so we can just remember on a daily basis like what am i doing well the wealth builders as you outline is the amount of money that you're contributing the time horizon you have and then the interest rate or the the rate of return that you'll gain and then the wealth killers like we kind of mentioned is fees so important uh tax and inflation like very simple and that is yeah like it's very simple 
those six factors will determine the success or, f- or failure of every investment you make. And, um, you know, fees is where most Canadians really fail badly. Uh, don't see the fees and don't, don't sort of figure that even if they do see them, what the impact is over time. Taxes, um, also nasty fee <laughs> or wealth killers, but you can, you know, there are some things you can do. TFSAs, RSPs, et cetera, to either eliminate or defer taxes. And inflation, the last wealth killer, nothing you can do about it. You just have to beat it. Yeah, there's is interesting. I uh, recently also read this book called Invest Ed that's more based uh, on value investing. But she talked a lot about inflation. And again, I think it's something that we as investors or just people forget about. It's real. We forget about it. And it was just actually like a reminder um, like typically I, I do do this, but every year I will look at how much am I personally contributing to my investments. I usually do usually my income increases, so I will increase my contributions. But I think it's just like a quick thing that people can remember is even if your income doesn't increase, make sure to increase your contributions because inflation is, it is, you know, increased by a year. So you need to increase it. So you're not contributing the exact same dollar amount because of inflation. It will actually make that amount less if that makes sense yeah and uh you know if you can if you can do that along with making those contributions uh, on a regular basis you know that's again you know the compounding uh, um, effect of of that can be enormous Uh, and um you know the earlier the better obviously you know all those standard things uh so yeah you got to keep an inflation in mind you got to minimize taxes and and, and and really minimize uh, minimize fees as well, which you can do if you if you uh, have a decent handle on the basics. Exactly, and for taxes, and this is a question that pops up. I'm sure you get this a lot. The question about TFSA versus RSP. You know, back in you know when I well, before the TFSA existed in 2009, RSP was your kind of best bet. TFSAs, even though they've been around for a while, a lot of people still don't quite understand how they work, and it seems like the more uh, people get to know them and really understand the impact of how great they are. So I personally kind of prefer a T of a say over an RSP. They're both great. But when you kind of think about, you mean you could put money in there, it grows tax-free. And when you want to withdraw in retirement, you don't pay income tax on that money. How amazing would that be? <laughs> They're beautifully simple. I mean, unlike almost everything else in the world of tax, which is nominally complex and and awful, TFA, TFSAs are are elegantly simple. And so, yeah, I'm a big fan uh, of TFSAs, but, you know, RSPs are great too. Um, the main thing is, you know, if you've got money to invest, take advantage of one or the other, at least. Uh, don't be frozen and, 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 and do nothing because you can't figure out which one is the best. It, there's not necessarily a right answer there. Um, I do talk about that in the book, but um, uh, you, you know, both are, um, are excellent ways to, uh, to reduce the impact of tax. Absolutely. And you do mention the book too, because I think some people are like, but which one should I start with? It is kind of, you know, the typical rule of thumb. If you're kind of lower income, and I believe the number you gave was like, if you're making like 40,000 or less as an example, TFSA is probably your best bet. And then when you're earning more and you want that kind of um, way to reduce your overall income taxes and RSP is a good bet. But also, like you said, there's no wrong way as long as you just start investing. Because I have met people that are so petrified of making a mistake, they delay months or years. 
Yeah, which is that's the real error. Okay, it's it's not choose it's not making the wrong choice. It's it's not making a choice. That's the that's the big error. Um, uh, you know, and you're right about the income levels. Although you know, a TFSA can be absolutely the right choice for uh, for higher income earners too. Hopefully, higher income earners can, you know, maybe if they're really fortunate, they can fill up both pots. Um, and then I think things get a little bit more complex with the taxable or unregistered accounts. <laughs> they do, but you know, it's it, it, it's not that. Yeah, it's not too it's not that complicated, and and uh, you know, and and you don't need. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can make it. You probably write. You need you need to understand the basics. You don't need to necessarily understand. You know, the tax treatment of uh, of you know of of foreign dividends uh, might be and this and that. I mean. That, that's if you if you learn the basics, you 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 can be fine, and the minutia is you can is endless minutia, but you don't need to know it. Mm-hmm. And I think you do have some really good charts actually in this book that go into if you were to put uh, different types of uh, investment products into a taxable account, what would that actually mean in terms of how much tax you pay? So I think you do outline it pretty well in here, which was actually very helpful to see in a nice chart. <laughs> yeah, good. No, it's it's. Uh, the um, you know the subtitle of the book uh, talks about simply successful investing. So that was really a big aim of the book is to try to keep it s- simple, um, and, and so that it's understandable. And um, you know, and if you if you look at it that way, and uh, you know, you you can be very successful um, as an investor, and and be be calmer and more and more confident about your future. Uh, if if you if you learn the basics, even if you decide to stick with an advisor, uh, you know, make sure you know what you're paying, which isn't easy to find out necessarily. And but if you you know if you're comfortable with what you're paying and you feel you're getting value for that cost, well, that's great. Um, but you know, getting that basic knowledge will enable you to make that informed decision. And, and that's what I urge people to do. Whereas, you know, million, the vast majority of Canadians are, are, are making that, those decisions uninformed and just sort of blindly relying on advisors whose job it is to sell you the most expensive possible product. And that's not healthy. No, I think, yeah, like you said, and you go into in the book, it is, it's heartbreaking when you see all these people doing some of the right things, like contributing to their, uh, you know, investment accounts regularly, and they're saving so much money, but they're not getting that much back because they missed a couple steps. Like really understanding what are you investing in, what is your risk profile, like what's your portfolio, why is it balanced in your twenty five? That doesn't quite make sense, and what kind of fees are you paying? Uh, it's like those are actually almost more important than your personal contributions. <laughs> I mean, that's really what drove me to write the book. I just thought, wow, this is just, you know, people are, are uh, work, work hard. It's, it's really hard to save money. We all know that. Uh, they, 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 they trust their advisors. They're the ones that are taking the risk, 100% of the risk in the market. And yet, you know, the, the, their advisor, their, 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 their bank or whatever strips away half of their returns in, in, in fees and, and don't make that clear. It's just not right. And um, it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, really our, our retirement system in Canada, um, you know, we, it, it depends on the success of individual investors. And the industry needs to do a better job at providing lower cost, more efficient products to investors. Right now, they're, you know, they're, those products are out there. And if you know what to do, you can get them. But, you know, they're, 
the industry is doing everything possible to hang on to this, uh, these, these old, uh, super expensive uh, products and, and get you to buy them. Now that, that will disappear over time, but, um, you know, but in the meantime, you know, millions of Canadians are, you know, are stuck with these, uh, these crappy products. Yeah. With that said, what, what are your thoughts on, cause you do you talk about like the different kind of ways to invest. You can work with a, you know, an advisor, you can use a robo advisor, you could be a DIY investor. A lot of these big banks now are coming out with their own robo advisors, probably because if one does it, they all kind of have to do it. What are your kind of thoughts on robo advisors and these big banks do, you know, jumping on the bandwagon? Is it a good thing? Absolutely. It's a good thing. I, I think, uh, I'm a fan of robo advisors, which are basically you know online portfolio advisors, which, uh, you know, go online, um, answer 20 questions uh, about your, your, your income, what your goals are, what you're saving for, uh, what you're comfortable, how comfortable you are with stock market, stock market risk, etc. And they'll recommend a portfolio for you and you just sign up and contribute on a regular basis and, and it's taken care of. Um, so it's wonderfully convenient. They charge um, fees of something like on average, probably a half a percent a year. Plus the the costs of the underlying um, funds, which might add another uh, tenth of a percent or maybe a quarter of a percent. So the to- their total fees might range from uh, six tenths to of a percent to maybe three quarters of a percent, which that's a fair bit. But it's a fraction of what what they what they'll charge to sell you their their old uh, crappy mutual funds. So. Uh, robo advisors can be a great alternative for for many investors out there, and um, uh, that business model was started by independence uh, sort of disruptors. Uh, but the banks are are now creating their own. Uh, you know, RBC started in uh, RBC Investees, uh, um, you know, BMO Smartfolio. Uh, you know, the, the, the other banks will be doing the same thing. Uh, the Quest Trades out there. Uh, um, well, simple is 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 one that's advertised a lot. Uh, they're well known, so there there are good alternatives out there. So, and, and if you're looking at one of them, I, um, I I recommend you know go online and 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 do a search for for um, comparisons between them. Uh, there are probably ten of them out there or something. So, and there um, uh, some of them are are better for um, first time investors. Others are better for seasoned investors with larger portfolios. They're they're a great alternative for for many, and not just for younger folks. For uh, for retired folks too, um, they can be a great alternative. So, um, yeah, the banks. Uh, the thing the thing is with the banks and the big institutions, they will want to sell you the most expensive thing possible. But if you figure it, if you figure out there's there are better ways, they'll provide those alternatives too. So, you don't necessarily have to leave the bank. To beat the bank, you just have to know know which door to go through. Yeah, you need to know how to talk the talk. You need to know what they're talking about. Um, and, and also, like, I, it's fair to say that depending on who you're dealing with, and I've heard stories like this a, a lot, uh, your advisor may not be that knowledgeable about investing, <laughs> depending on who you have. They may be well versed in mutual funds, but if you want to talk to them about, I want to build a you know couch potato portfolio of ETFs, they may not know what to tell you. Well, they're they're trained to sell, and you know, again, they're good people, but they're 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 they're, they're stuck selling really really products that really uh, serve the banks better than they serve their clients, and it's it really is um, it really is shameful that the that the that the, the industry keeps selling the, this stuff, and the regulators haven't done enough to uh, uh, just to, to stop it, in my view. So you need 
you, you need to have a little bit of a buyer beware attitude. Um, and in order to be effective at that, you need to learn a few of the basics. So you gotta, you know, somewhat fend for yourself, um, not to become an expert, but to learn some basic knowledge and, uh, you know, like it or not, that's the reality. And I feel like once you do kind of accept that, that you do have to learn the basics and then you learn it, you'll realize, A, it's not as hard as you thought. It's not that complex. And then if you want to build onto that to, you know, become a more advanced investor, if that's something you want, you'll realize the path actually isn't that crazy to do that. Like it's once you kind of build those foundational elements of investing, learning more about maybe, you know, options or, or whatever you want, it won't seem so complicated because you have this knowledge now. But it, it does, it is hard at the beginning. Believe me, I remember those growing pains. I'm like, what? It's a whole new language. Yeah, you know, and I, I frankly, for, for most folks, I don't think you need to get into options and derivatives and all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's, that's for mostly for professionals or very experienced uh, people. You know, for average investors, <laughs> You know, a robo advisor is a great alternative, or you know, you can. There are also, as you know, uh, Jessica, there are all-in-one ETFs that provide perfectly balanced uh, portfolios in just with, with just one single um, uh, fund uh, that are super low cost and uh, wonderfully simple. So, um, yeah, there there are great ways to do it. And uh, you know, one one little note: uh, the impact is going to. And most people, <laughs> I think, are pretty surprised with this. After purchase of a home, the largest expense for millions of Canadians over their lifetime is investment fees. And people have no idea. Not, and, and, you know, a couple of reasons. They're not charged directly. The bank or their advisor, or whatever, your firm doesn't come and say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, you need to pay, you know, X hundred or X thousands of dollars a year for this. Those fees are just deducted from your from your accounts, and people don't notice. Um, and the industry never presents a bill. They never say, "Hey, look, this is what we're charging, and this is the impact over time." So you know, again, costs it, um, can have such a devastating impact, and yet it can be so easy to largely eliminate them. So going back to fees, if you need a starting point for figuring out what you're doing with your investments, or you want to start fees is where you should start. And I, I agree. Once you kind of realize how impactful and using your calculator, like you mentioned on your website, it's it will kind of, I think, make things start to click and give you that motivation to maybe do something about it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And there's, and, and again, it's, uh, it can be fun too. And I'm sure, you know, once you get over the fear uh, aspect of it, it can be you know, it can be fun uh, and uh, not necessarily every day or when the market craps out or whatever, that's not fun. But, you know, the, you can gain some satisfaction over time by by being not in control of the market, but but having a bit of knowledge and, uh, um, and, and having some control over what you're doing uh, will, I think, give people more, uh, you know, more comfort, more, um, more calm over time and, and uh, you know, allow them to get on with their lives rather than worry about, you know, what's happening in the market day to day. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Where can people find more information about you and grab a copy of your book, Beat the Bank? Uh, well, um, the book is in stores across Canada um, and it's also available on, uh, on Amazon and uh, indigo.ca and other 
uh, online sources, and it's um, available in hard copy and also available in ebook format. And um, people can also go to my website, LarryBates.ca. Lots of information there, and uh, that that calculator, which uh, which is a shock to many people, but very instructive, is there as well. If you're if you're interested, so um, yeah, th- there's there's lots of info there, uh, and uh, I, I think it uh, has the potential to be to to be, make a difference for people over time. So, thanks very much for having me. It's been lots of fun, and uh, you know, I think your podcast is is, is wonderful. You know, helping people understand their finances, and, and uh, I'm glad to have the chance to contribute a little bit to that. Thank you. No, it was a pleasure. And yeah, highly recommend this book. It's I've read a lot of books, Larry, and this was a nice, easy intro to investing. So any, anyone can read this. So thanks so much for writing it. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jessica. Wonderful. Thank you. And that was episode 223 of the Mo Money Podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for more information about this episode at jessicamorehouse.com slash 223. And that is the rule for any episode you listen to and you're like, oh, I wonder what that, they mentioned a link or they mentioned a resource. I wonder where I can find more information about that. Just check out the show notes on my website. You can either check every single episode ever at jessicamorehouse.com slash podcast, or just go jessicamorehouse.com slash the number of that episode. It'll take you right there. Of course, if you want to learn more about Larry and his book, go to larrybates.ca. You can also follow him on Twitter at larrybatesbtb. And of course, if you want to enter to win a free copy of Larry Bates's book, Beat the Bank, go to jessicamorehouse.com slash contest or visit the show notes for this episode. There will be a link in there that will also take you to the contest page. Um, I have some important things to share as always. So please do not go away. I just have a few words I want to share about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by ShopTaker. Did you know that 67% of millennials prefer to shop online? Well, I guess that makes me one of them. And a big reason is because you can save so much time and money by doing so, especially when you use ShopTaker. You see, ShopTaker is a free app for your computer and phone that helps you do your online shopping and get the best price. All you have to do is make an account. Then when you're doing your online shopping and see something you like, take it with ShopTaker. After you take it, you'll be notified whenever there is a price drop or sale on that item. Not only that, once you're ready to buy, ShopTaker will scan the web for coupon codes at checkout and apply them to your purchase. ShopTaker has already helped members save over $92 million. Don't you want to save some money too? To learn more and to try it out for yourself, visit jessicamorehouse.com slash shoptaker. And that's spelled S-H-O-P-T-A-G-R. Once again, that's jessicamorehouse.com slash shoptaker or find the link in the show notes for this episode. First, this is kind of a, I think, a, a natural kind of fit. If you do want to get started with investing or you want to see if you're doing investing, right? Because honestly, that is a pretty common question I get is like, I'm investing, I just don't know what I'm actually doing or if I'm doing it right. Uh, well, lucky for you, I have an investing course that is, in my opinion, the best one out there. It is called Investing Foundations for Canadians. It goes into pretty much everything you need to know about investing uh, in, you know, kind of traditional investment stocks and bonds, GICs, uh, RRSPs, TFSAs, RESPs, 
all of the jargon you've ever heard of and didn't really know much about, I go into in this course. There's a lot of great testimonials and reviews. You can learn more about it at jessicamorehouse.com slash investing foundation. So go check it out and uh, take it because uh, the best time to start investing is now. But before you start investing, you need to know what you're doing. So you are doing it right. And you have the, you'll make the biggest impact uh, for the long term. Also, if you want to learn more about like what other great personal finance books are around. What are some of my top recommendations? Uh, well, lucky for you, I also have a webpage on my website called jessicamorales.com slash recommendations. Not that hard to find. You can just go to my website and you'll find it pretty easily. I have a whole huge list of books that I have read that I love. A lot of them have been featured on this podcast. And honestly, if and I feel like a lot of people have been saying this or or other podcasts have been saying it. I don't know. It's just been like front of mind a lot about the importance and the, just like the power of reading, like spend one hour per day reading. And it could be anything. It could be fiction. It could be nonfiction, or it could be, you know, a business book or a personal finance book, whatever. It's really so helpful. I find for me, I'm in a better mood and I feel less stressed out or anxious about things. I feel more confident about things. I feel more knowledgeable. Every, I don't know. I'm always doing better in my life when I'm consistently reading a book. And so for me, my little ritual is before bed, how I kind of get myself ready to go to sleep is I read before bed, usually about an hour. And I do that every single day. And then once I finish a book, I immediately start another book. So once you have that gap, I find it's always hard to re- you know start reading. So I, I try to just like never have a gap, just always be, always be reading. So uh, there's a whole list on my website of books that you should definitely check out. Um, but this one is definitely one of them. Before I let you go, um, I haven't done this in a while. I want to give some shout outs to some amazing people that have given me some uh, iTunes reviews but also some really amazing uh, DMs and comments because I know not everyone listens on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or some people have even tell me like I tried giving you a review and then it just didn't work, didn't save or whatever. So I just wanted to give some shout outs to some amazing people that have, um, you know, given me some messages. All right, this first one is from triple C, triple N, triple B 21. I'm sure that's not your real name. Um, and they say awesome Canadian finance podcast. Jessica is full of energy and brings on really great guests. Since I discovered the podcast a month ago, I've been binge listening. Thanks so much. Well, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, the next one is from Sonia Catherine. Um, it's more of a question actually about, um, me, in the future, doing a podcast episode uh, dedicated to talking about government workers and their defined benefit pensions. Thank you, Sonia. I've read your review and your question about if I can do a podcast on that. Noted. So look out for that. I will try my best to do an episode in the future about that topic. This next one is from uh, an American lister, S. Doyle1771. Uh, intersectional money advice. I've been listening to Jessica's podcast for a while, but her latest episode on money and mental health is one of the best podcasts I've heard in the personal finance space. It's so, so important to talk about, and I'm grateful for the conversation. Thanks so much. I I also really enjoyed doing the episode. I definitely want to have more episodes talking not just about how to do this, because even though that's very important, but also just the emotional side of things, the mental health side of things is a very, uh, it needs to be talked about more and I'm going to do my best to uh, do more episodes on that. So thanks so much for your review. And last thing, I have a DM from uh, Instagram that I want to share. So 
FYI, you can DM me and I will answer back and let me know what you think about anything. Or if you have a question, please follow me on Instagram at Jessica I Morehouse is where you can find me. All right. So this one is from Jill. She says she did attempt to go on iTunes to do a review, but it didn't work. So that's why she sent me a DM, which I I totally appreciate. Um, She says, I've been following you and your podcast since shortly after I graduated in June 2018. And you've given me confidence in my finances and my financial future that I can't put a value on. I've been able to save an emergency fund of $10,000 and I'm working on paying off my student loan. When I start to get overwhelmed, I listen to you and I feel more at ease. I also happen to be working as an independent contractor and learning about tax responsibilities and duties. Being in this role has been greatly due to your expertise. I honestly can't thank you enough and can't wait for all of your amazing content in 2020. You're amazing, Jessica. You're amazing, Jill. $10,000 in your emergency fund and you're paying off your student loans and you're just killing it. You're killing it. Thanks so much for the DM. I really appreciate it. If you want to get a shout out on this podcast, all you have to do is either send me a DM on Instagram. You can send me a nice email as well, Jessica at JessicaMorehouse.com. Or you can go on Apple Podcasts or uh, iTunes and leave me a review there. Um, But yeah, so that is it for me. Of course, I will be back here Friday with another Money Minute episode. Hope you enjoyed the first one. They're a lot of fun. Also, this brings up a really good opportunity. If you have a specific question that you want me to address in a Money Minute episode, you let me know. You find me on like Twitter or Instagram or email, you let me know and I will do an episode on whatever you want. Yeah, that's it. Okay, cool. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you back here for Friday. Have a good rest of your day. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.